0: Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible-Centered Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Bible-Centered with Victor Jackson. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. Um, I want to thank you for your, your patience. I have been working on some Incredible content from each for each and every one of you. I walked with my church over the past year and uh, two months. Uh, I walked with them through the Gospel of Matthew. I took them through the Scriptures verse by verse and uh, explained the historical cultural context and how it is applicable to our lives. It has revolutionized our church. We finally uh, close out the Gospel of Matthew um, in August, uh, this August. So it would have taken May, June, July, August, a year and four months to get through the Gospel of Matthew. As I was praying over this podcast and praying over everyone that listens in every week, I want to be faithful with what God has put in my heart and put in my spirit. So God has been dealing with me the last three weeks to work on putting some content together to walk those on the Bible centered with Victor Jackson podcast, walk you through the scriptures verse by verse, starting with Matthew and not only just giving you a podcast episode uh, once a week, but giving you a podcast episode anywhere from five to seven times a week. Uh, I, I care about you guys. I, I care about the, the faithful listeners, uh, those that have subscribed as well, thousands of people all around the world. And when we started this podcast, I was just wanted to be faithful with giving you, you know, the Word of God. And it's it's grown into something so uh, large that, in order for me to be faithful, I can't just give it to you once a week. So I have been working on giving you this content several times a week. And I want to get it to you first thing in the morning, not in the afternoon. And I just want to thank all the listeners for uh, working with me and being patient with me while I'm trying and striving uh, to give you a high quality product that takes a lot of hours, a lot of time. Uh, We're working on making a studio, um, so many things that we're working on, but I just want to be a faithful steward of God's word and those that are listening, I know you want to understand the book. And so I'm going to be walking through uh, with you in the gospel of Matthew, uh, starting out with this book, because everything is foundational to Jesus, that some people focus on the epistles first, but you can't understand Christ-like behaviors without understanding The life of Christ. And so when we planted our church in Orlando, I didn't want to start off our church on getting religious behaviors without understanding the Christ that is to fuel those behaviors. And it has revolutionized our church. People love it. People are learning. People are growing because of all the different nuances that God has Placed in his texts uh, to not only help us understand, but also to help us to apply. Proper understanding will lead to proper application. Proper theology will always lead to proper application. And so, in this these podcast episodes, my desire for you my desire for you is to not only get the word, but receive the engrafted word uh, that can truly uh, transform your walk with God. And I want to thank you for tuning in uh, because I have a conviction about this. I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about God's word. And when we initially you know, launch this podcast, uh, you know, we were just going to, I just wanted to give you everything that God has given me. And your feedback and your support and your love and all of those things have, I want to give you all of me, but I want to give you even more. And that's what I'm striving to do. So what I gave our church uh, in a year in four months, uh, I'm going to be giving the Bible-centered podcast in a month. So y'all pray for me uh, that I can uh, get that done and give it to you uh, properly uh, as God has given it to me. Um, and so today we're going to be reading Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 through 25, and as we read chapter 1 through 25, I'm going to be reading it uh, for the sake of our listeners, Uh, I'm going to be reading it uh, in the ESV uh, version, uh, the English Standard Version, uh, just for comprehension. Um, there are, uh, different translations of the Bible. Um, some focus on, uh, the literal grammatical context from the Koine Greek. Uh, others focus more on the author's intended idea where they give it to you in a, uh, a modern vernacular, uh, All these translations are striving to stay true to the nuances of the text. Uh, The KJV tries to stay close to the literal and grammatical uh, um, uh, wording of the Koine Greek. Um, And like the New Living Translation, they go rather with the author's intended idea and help his intended idea be more understandable to the reader. Uh, ESV is a healthy balance, um, focusing on the literal and grammatical of the Koine Greek, uh, which was the original language that uh, the New Testament uh, was written in. And... um. The ESV stays very close um, to the grammar and the author's intended idea. There's substance in all these uh, different translations, but uh, the KJV, the ESV, those are good, um, solid ones with uh, many different scholars um, uh, that have done their research and uh, translated accordingly. Um. So I I want to read this and and thank you guys for your prayers. My my wife is due with our daughter uh, in September, and so this will be our second child, and uh, we're we're excited about it. We're, we're we're excited about it. Thank you for your support and your love. The book has been uh, doing great in English and in Spanish. A word to the broken. Um. Uh, una, una palabra para los quebrantados, quebrantados. Um, um, it's it's been a blessing to the English and the Spanish and thank you for your feedback and the reviews on that it's been helping a lot of people so let's get into it Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 through 25 the genealogy of Jesus Christ the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab the father of Nashan, and Nashan the father of Salmon, and Salmon Shatiel and Sheteel the father of Zerubbabel and Zerubbabel the father of Abia and Abia the father of Eliakim and Eliakim the father of Azar and Azar the father of Zadok and Zadok the father of Achim and Achim the father of Eliud and Eliud the father of Eleazar and Eleazar the father of Methan and Methan the father of Jacob and Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. The birth of Jesus Christ. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, the gospel of Matthew, with this first chapter, a lot of people like to go past this first chapter because of of it being the genealogies. A lot of names that are difficult to pronounce, um, but When you understand the setting in which Matthew is writing, all of this makes perfect sense. Because Matthew is writing to the Jews to persuade them that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the anointed messenger, the one that they have been waiting for. He is writing that Jesus is, is the Christ. That is his purpose for writing his gospel. Not only is he writing to persuade them that he is the Christ, that he is not only their savior, but the savior of the world. And he wants to legitimize his lineage uh, by showing that he came through the lineage of kings, that, that he did not usurp the process. Uh, uh, he did, but he came through proper genealogy, where in his in his earthly body he comes from a kingly lineage. That he is God and man. That he is the theanthropos, the God man. The genealogy is is important because uh, anytime you hear the phrase. Uh, the Gospel according to Matthew, or the Gospel according to Mark, or the Gospel according to Luke, or the Gospel according to John. Uh, the Gospel uh, it, it is the 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 birth, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, uh, and uh, of Jesus Christ. And this word "gospel" was a, a Greek term. Uh, that the Greeks uh, and the Romans used called uh, the Evangelion, which was a military term. Uh, Anytime a, a general won a battle, won a war, they would run into the city and they would shout out Evangelion, 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 which is in English, we call the gospel are the good news. Uh, but this good news is not a, a, a passive term. It is a military term that means that the war has been won, that the battle has been won. And this is the word used when it says that Jesus preached the gospel and the writers are writing uh, the gospel, the good news but it is not a a passive term, it is a military term, Evangelion, it means that the war has been won. And what Matthew is trying to persuade the Jews is that the war has been won in Jesus Christ. That it it is not a physical war filled with uh, swords and spears and chariots, but, but the war over sin, the war over the devil. Uh, the war over the accuser of the brethren it has been won through his life through his death burial and resurrection and this is important for the jews to grasp because uh they are seeking liberation from the oppression of rome and matthew is focusing in on on the spiritual nature and what Jesus has accomplished, the Evangelion. You see, the gospel has the ability, when you declare the gospel, the Evangelion, the good news, that the victory, this military term, that what Jesus did for us, we won, and so we are able to go into the prison cells of darkness, and those that are in darkness, and in addiction, and in trouble, and preach the Evangelion, preach the gospel and br- bring them out of darkness into the light into the marvelous light where the god of this world hath blinded the minds lest they that let the lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine according to what Paul said you see the gospel is the military victory that has been won by what Jesus did for us where we were able to go into those preach the gospel to those that have been in depression and been in anxiety and been living in fear and been living in abuse and been living in suffering and go and preach the gospel and bring them out from the bondage of sin, out from the bondage of Satan, out from the bondage of darkness and bring them into the power of God and light. That is the, the gospel. So anytime you hear the gospel, the evangelion, It is the good news that the war has been won through Jesus, not through man, not through our righteous behaviors, not through our intellect or our ability or our good works, but it's through Jesus Christ. And we are saved by grace through faith. And it's through his grace that he has given this gospel to us, this victory, this military strategy. And we can obey this gospel by believing in him, by repenting of our sins, by being baptized in his name, by receiving his spirit and allowing his spirit, spirit to do a work of sanctification uh in in, in this life on earth, that this gospel would shine through our mortal bodies, uh, through. Uh, how we treat one another through love, through through uh, living according to God's commandments, the gospel. And so he is declaring the military strategy through the life of Jesus that has been won. We can go into the prison cells and say, Hey, the battle's already won through Jesus Christ. That's the good news. We don't have to fight this by ourselves. We don't have to fight. The, the enemy's already defeated. Sin has already been conquered by his blood, Evangelion, the gospel. And so it's important for us to grasp that he is presenting to them the gospel, um, and which is the life of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection, now, he wants to take us through the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and he does it in a very unique way, a very unheard of way, because in verse one, it says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, this is, this is completely against their culture and ancient Near Eastern culture because when you start a genealogy, you always start with the oldest person. Um, you always start with the oldest person. And, but this is, this is profound because he starts it with Jesus. So he is already alluding to the Jews, Jesus' superiority to everyone in the lineage that Jesus is greater than Abraham. He's greater than David. He's greater than Solomon. He's greater than all of these people, that he is superior and, and, and that he existed before all of them. He is appealing to the divinity of Jesus Christ. Later, when you go down to verse 16, it says, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So Jesus, his name, it represents that divinity, but when you say Christ, it represents his humanity. Because Christ is the a messianic term, which is the term of the Messiah. That what Jesus uh that he was God, but he became flesh as our Messiah. So there were many people in the world during Jesus' time who was named uh, Jesus, but there was only one Jesus Christ. So so it's not only his divinity of his name and Jesus, but he is the only person that took on the role and fulfilled the role and the assignment of Christ Jesus is his divinity, Christ is his humanity. When you say in the name of Jesus Christ, you are pulling on the divinity and the humanity of what was accomplished on that cross, the God-man, the Theo-God, Anthropos-man, the God-man. Um, and so with that being said, it is important for us to grasp that he mentions Jesus first. And so he's saying that he existed before all of these things and he is superior before David, before Adam, before Abraham, before all of that. And by by him was everything that was made. And without him, nothing was made that was made, according to John 1. So he says he puts them at at the beginning of the genealogy, which is incredible because he is bringing a focus that he is the center and he is the the preeminent one above all of these things. Now, the theme of Matthew is fulfillment. I have to, this is the first episode on Matthew 1, uh, giving you an introduction. So I've got to give you all the theological uh, backdrop. So the theme of Matthew is fulfillment. Uh, many times he says, and it was fulfilled saying, it was fulfilled because the Jews had to see how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament. That he did not come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill the law. Um and, and this is profound to me, guys. I love the Word of God. This is this is this is amazing to me because Matthew is trying to present Jesus as the new Moses. Uh, if you notice, uh, Moses, God inspired Moses to write the first five books of the Bible: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, um, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, God inspired Moses to write those first five books, the Pentateuch, the Torah. What Matthew does is he emphasizes five discourses of Jesus Christ. And he's showing the similitude uh, of him being like Moses. And just like Moses uh, gets the word in the desert, in the wilderness, he emphasizes Jesus being in the wilderness, being tempted, and giving the word. And he he emphasizes the mountaintops of Jesus, uh, just like it shows Moses being on the mountaintop receiving the law. He speaks of Jesus being on the mountain giving giving the word, the beatitudes, um, uh, these uh, these blessings uh, from the mountain. So he shows the similarities, but he this new Moses is not leading Israel out of Egypt, but he's leading Egypt out of sin. He's, he's leading Israel out of sin. And this this is a spiritual bondage because they were in bondage under the Egyptians and Moses led them out of that bondage, but they were still in the bondage of sin but Jesus comes not to bring them out of the geographical location of Egypt, bondage, or are out of Roman bondage, but he came to bring them out of the bondage of sin. And it is more difficult to bring someone out of sin than it is to bring them out of Egypt. And, and he is trying to express the superiority of Jesus Christ to everyone in the lineage, everyone that they think is great, David, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, everyone there, Matthew is expressing this superiority. So why would I say that it's easier to deliver someone out of sin than to deliver them, it's easier to deliver someone out of Egypt out of the bondage of slavery than it is to deliver someone out of the bondage of slavery to sin. Here's why. Because even when the Israelites were in Egypt, they were oppressed, they were under bondage. But, but the issue was, is that yes, the Egyptians would would whip them and harm them, but they wouldn't harm them so much to where they weren't able to work. And so in Egypt, they were in bondage, but the pharaohs did not want to destroy their property. That's how they saw people, as property. They did not want to destroy their property so much where they were not able to work and build pyramids and beard and build amazing structures. So they would harm them. And keep them oppressed, but they wouldn't try to destroy their body because they needed their body for work. But sin is different. Sin doesn't care about the condition of the body. Sin is trying to destroy you from the time that you're in the womb. We have, we have, uh, um, people being addicted to to drugs and addicted to all these things in the world and that that sin becomes it, it eats up the body and it tries to destroy the life where it can lead to to suicide and lead to all of this stuff and sin doesn't care it's not trying to protect you to get work done the wages of sin is death death sin is trying to kill you and so Jesus didn't try didn't come to just deliver you from physical chains. He came to deliver you from the chains of sin, the bondage of sin that leads to destruction. And the new Moses is greater than that Moses that wrote the Pentateuch. And and, and God is, is greater than the temple. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than the writings. He's greater than all of that. And through his sacrifice, we have the evangelion, the gospel, that, that sets us free from the works of sin and and fuels us into works of righteousness, fueled by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Powerful, powerful. So he keeps on doing this contrast, and he does this with the five discourses, and the theme is fulfillment. And so he starts walking down the path of Jesus genealogy and fulfillment. So in verse one, he says, Jesus Christ, it's emphasizing his divinity because he puts him first, which was uncommon in this time. But in verse 16, he says, "Who was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So there he emphasizes his humanity. So divinity, he's before all of these people in the genealogy, but in his humanity, he comes out of these people in the genealogy in verse 16. Now let's walk through this. Abraham, verse 2, Abraham beget Isaac, and Isaac beget Jacob, and Jacob beget uh, Judas his brethren, uh, Judah his brothers. And, and Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And this is amazing what Matthew does because it's very uncommon to put women in genealogies. Most genealogies, in the, the majority, you know, ninety-nine percent, the majority of genealogies, you never mention the woman in the genealogy. You only mention the man. But Matthew is putting a stress upon women now, and this is a, a a shift too, because he shows the importance on how important women are in fulfillment, and that and that. That women are valuable in the plan of God. This was this was so contrary during this time, but Matthew is putting an emphasis on the women in genealogy to show them that they were center to fulfillment. And, and what the message that I'm talking to you today is about the detours to fulfillment. You see, because fulfillment doesn't doesn't look pretty. Fulfillment. Isn't this bed of roses or walking through the tulips? Fulfillment isn't these pats on the backs. Everyone thinks fulfillment is like this straight road, this straight paved road with no with no weeds and no no thorns and nothing in your way. But but on in, in the path of fulfillment, there are detours. There are rocky places, there are valleys, there there are there is heartache, there is trouble, there there is things that that people are going to deal with. Fulfillment is is dirty business. It doesn't look like you expect it to look. And everyone's thinking that the Messiah is going to come through these beautiful these beautiful people, these, these flawless people, these, these, these amazing people. But Matthew gets down to the nitty gritty to show that in the lineage of kings, it's not pretty, but there are detours to fulfillment that God is able to use people that you don't expect to fulfill his word. People that don't have the best background, people that don't... Uh, have the perfect history that God is able to use these people for his glory. So important. It's, this is such a critical thing for us to grasp and understand. He mentions Tamar. Now in the story of Tamar, Tamar, uh, is put away by Judah and Judah doesn't want, uh, uh, to marry her so Tamar goes and dresses up as a prostitute Judah goes and sleeps with her and and uh she takes his stuff later he finds out she's pregnant he wants to 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 kill her uh, but she shows him his belongings that you're the one that impregnated me it's a it's a crazy story she Tamar is a Canaanite and this woman with this history of dressing up as a prostitute, she is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. She's in the lineage of King David. She's in the lineage. These are detours to fulfillment, that, that fulfillment doesn't look perfect. It doesn't look pretty. See, some people try to disqualify themselves from the plan and the purpose and the anointing of God because of their rough history. But I'm telling you, Jesus is able to work in people that have mistakes in their backdrop. See, the Jews weren't expecting fulfillment to look like this, but the jews also didn't want gentiles to be a part of the plan but what matthew is trying to persuade the jews is that jesus is the christ and that he is the savior of the jews but also the savior of the world and he shows this in the genealogy by showing gentiles gentiles are is anyone that's not a jew he shows them in the genealogy that that gentiles were in the lineage of Jesus Christ in the lineage of the Messiah in the lineage of King David and that gentiles were always a part of God's plan even when he speaks to Abraham he wants Abraham to be a blessing to all nations and so he is showing them by the lineage that that the world coming into relationship with God was always a part of the plan and that it wasn't always a part of the plan for God to be exclusive to one people group, but he is the savior of the world. And so Tamar is a Canaanite. And then it it goes on. Watch what he does. And Ram, the father of Abinadab, and Abinadab, the father of Nishan, and Nishan, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. Think about this, Rahab. Rahab is a prostitute in Jericho. Matthew is mentioning these Gentiles in the genealogy of the Messiah, in the genealogy of kings. Out of these messed up people, kings came forth. Out of the rejected came royalty. Out of the hurting came hope. See, these are the detours to fulfillment. God can use whoever he wants when he wants to do it. And no matter how messed up your life is, he wants to use you for his glory. Now, Rahab's a prostitute, and she's from Jericho. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. Ruth is a Moabite. She's from Moab. Look at who's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Look at who's in the lineage of kings. And Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Now it speaks of Bathsheba. So look at these women, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. What do they all have in common? Here it is. Number one, they're all Gentiles. They're Gentiles, and yet they're in a royal lineage. See, no one expected fulfillment to look like this with all of these mess ups, with all of this ugliness, with all of this mess, with all of these problems. But God is able from your life with all of your mistakes and anything that you've done in your world, God is able from the, those ashes, he is able to get glory and use your life to bring you closer to Jesus. Wow. See, you 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 may have went to jail. You, you may have You may have went through a divorce. You may have went through all of these things. But let me tell you something. As long as you come, as long as you grab a hold of Jesus, he's able to use all of those things that have been working against you to put you on the path of greatness for him. You are not defined by your history. You are not defined by the mistakes of yesterday. You are not defined by the problems. You are not defined by the issues. No, you didn't expect your life to work out like it has. But I'm telling you, when you bring Jesus to the forefront of your life, he'll he'll use it as a detour to bring you into fulfillment. And no, you didn't expect it to look like this, but God is still able to use where you are now to put you on the path to where he always wanted you to be. Somehow in your pain, it led you into church. Somehow in your pain, it led you into prayer. Somehow in your pain, it led you into worship. And this is just a part of the process. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. What do they have all in common? They're Gentiles. So this shows that the gospel is for the Jews and the Gentiles. It's for the world. Those that have 613 laws and those that didn't have any laws, this gospel is for you. Those that were raised in a strict family, those that were raised in a family full of drug addicts, this gospel is for you. Jesus reached into every iota of every nationality and background. And he died for every Muslim, for every Hindu, for for every Buddhist, for for every every person and every caste system. He died for every untouchable, for every Brahmin. Jesus died for everyone. And Matthew wants to show from the beginning that this, this Jesus Christ belongs to the world, not just an exclusive group. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. Number one, they're women. Women are an important part of the plan of God. Number two, they are Gentiles. Gentiles have a role in the kingdom of God. Number three, this is gonna this is powerful. Number three, all all the places that they are from, they were cursed by God in the Old Testament. Tamar was a Canaanite. God said, curse be Canaan, everything that came out of Canaan. He said, curse be Canaan. They were supposed to possess the Canaanites. Tamar was cursed. Rahab was from Jericho, Jericho, was cursed. Ruth was from Moab. Moab was cursed because of them resisting the children of Israel. Uh, Bathsheba was a Hittite. The Hittites were cursed. But the powerful thing about this is that when those curses met the blood of Jesus, every curse was broken. Because on the cross, the Bible says, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. On the cross, Jesus became a curse for us. He took on every genealogical curse, every curse on your genealogy. He put upon himself on the cross and he broke that curse. All you gotta do is say the name over your life every curse is broken. When those curses met Jesus, the curse was broken. The curses of the past, any curses of the present, any curses of the future in Jesus, it's all broken. Don't you, just because just because your mama was an alcoholic don't mean that you have to be an alcoholic. The curse is broken in the name of Jesus. Just because your dad backslid doesn't mean that you have to backslide. The curse is broken in the name of Jesus. Just because your grandpa had anger issues doesn't mean that you have to have anger issues. The curse is broken in the name of Jesus. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost while I'm talking to somebody that's listening right now. Everything is broken in the name of Jesus, no matter how far the serial killers went in your genealogy. When you came into relationship with Jesus, when you took on his name, when you receive his spirit, every single curse has been broken in that moment. Everything is broken in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, it's broken. Somebody needs to say it's broken. That's what's powerful about the gospel. We already see what Jesus is able to do. He is able to redeem He is able to restore. He is able to revive. He is able to make whole. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we're able to ask or even think according to the power that works in us. He's able to redeem every Gentile. How bad is your lineage? Everybody has people that they don't want to claim. Everybody has that cousin that we don't want to say we're related to. Y'all show up to family reunion. You don't want to, you don't want to claim them. People ask, you, is that your cousin? You're like, oh, man, wow, wow. And, and you change the subject because there's some people in your lineage you don't even want to be associated with. But aren't you thankful that through the blood of Jesus, you don't look like what you've been through? Through the blood of Jesus, you don't look like what you came out of. My word, the curses were broken in Jesus. And and it, it shows the the genealogy of Jesus all the way through um these incredible people, even through Babylon, even while they're in captivity, God was still working. These are the detours to fulfillment because in these people's lives, you would not expect God to be moving. And while they were in captivity in Babylon, you would not expect that God is moving. But what Matthew is showing is that the hand of God was still moving while they were captives, while they came from cursed lineage, while there was... uh, mistakes taking place. What Matthew is showing is that God is still working, and that even when it feels like your life has been thrown to the side and you have nothing to offer, all it is is a detour to fulfillment. I would have preferred the straight and narrow, but pain took me on a detour. But He's still able to fulfill His word in me. These women, these these people were women. They were Gentiles. They were cursed. And all of them had some measure of a rough history. Tamar dressed as a prostitute. Rahab was a prostitute. Ruth uh, came out of uh, from a lineage of incest. With with Lot, Moab came out of Lot came from a lineage of incest. Bathsheba. Comes from a great mistake with adultery with King David, but God is able to redeem. And He is able to use people that you don't understand. Some of you don't understand why God would want to use you, but it is because of His grace and His mercy. And I don't care how bad your life has been up to this moment, God just brought you on a detour to fulfillment. All all of us have things in our lives where we wish we wouldn't have done it. But Matthew is showing God's ability to redeem the time. And that all of these things led to verse 16, that Jacob begat Joseph, right? Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. All of this messed up stuff in Babylon and all of this stuff with being captive because of the disobedience to the Torah, the Pentateuch, the Word of God, all of these things still somehow led to God's will being done. I uh, you don't understand how you got to church. You don't understand how you how you became who you became. You don't understand how God has opened the door to bless you like you've been blessed. All it's been is a detour to fulfillment. You don't know how you're here after the divorce. You don't know how you're here after the losses that you have suffered, the loss of family, the loss of friends, the loss in your life. But God is able to use all of it and bring you down the detour to fulfillment. It's gonna be muddy. It's gonna it, it, there's there's gonna be lions and bears. There, there's going there's going to be snakes. There's gonna be things off the path that you have to walk over and step in, and it's muddy and it's ugly. But I'm telling you, on the journey, you're going to get there. Detours are not pretty, but they will get you where you need to go. And yes, I would have preferred to not go through this, but God is so sovereign. He's able to use everything that has worked against me and use it to bring me on into his will and bring me into his plan. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost talking right now. So in these key points in verse 17, So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. We see God moving in specific uh, uh, aspects throughout the generations. God is still moving. Even when he's silent, he's still moving. Even when it seems like nothing is happening, he's still moving. You see, there was a period of time that the that the prophets weren't writing. There wasn't any inspired scripture. There was 400 years of silence. But even in the silence, God was using as a detour to fulfillment. Oh, I'm gonna talk to somebody. Even when they couldn't hear God's voice, God was still fulfilling his word. God doesn't have to be talking in order for him to move. You have to go to Genesis one and see, before God ever spoke, he was already moving. Before God ever started talking, he was all, already moving. And the scripture says in Genesis 1 chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And God said, let there be light. Oh my, he moved before he spoke. And I'm going to talk to somebody right now. God doesn't have to be talking in order for him to be moving. He always moves before he speaks. And 400 years of silence, God didn't say a word, but he was moving and fulfillment was happening. And in captivity, fulfillment was happening. This wasn't how they planned fulfillment to look. They thought they would have this beautiful temple, they thought they would have Solomon's temple forever, but Solomon's temple was burned with fire by the Babylonians and and while they're struggling and they're trying to keep their identity and they don't know what's going on and and it's the they've been captive by the Assyrians and the Babylonians and 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 the Persians and the Grecians and now the Romans and they don't think that God is moving but it's just a detour to fulfillment because God is still moving and now it's God is inspiring Matthew. He's showing that God is still talking. My word, my word! If God's not talking, take comfort—he's moving, and He's showing the, the the sovereignty of God in in history. That's what the Bible is all about: God moving in history. Verse verse eighteen. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So you have to understand that Mary and Joseph were in a betrothal process. A betrothal process took about a year. And in that process of the year, the the woman's belongings, uh, the dowry was being transferred to the man. And it took about a year. And for you to interrupt that process, it was it would be considered a divorce, even though the marriage was consummated, because of the legality of that betrothal process. To interrupt it, it would be considered a divorce. And so they have been betrothed. So Mary's planning. Her, her wedding, she's, she's planning the colors for her wedding. She's picking out her bridesmaids. She's picking out her maids of honor. And all of a sudden an angel just shows up with, with a promise that just wrecks everything. And him being a just man, he didn't want to make her an example. He could have made of her an example. I got to thank God for Joseph because Joseph didn't want to make her a public example. During this time, people could put away their wives for anything uh they they would put their their wives away for cooking a bad meal they would put their wives away for for you know her not doing her hair or or any any little thing they would give a writing and a bill of divorcement for any little thing and so joseph did not want to make her a public example he was thinking about putting her away privately so no one would know really what was going on but while he was thinking on these things the angel of the Lord appeared to him as in a dream and said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because that which is conceived in her is from the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. And and this is, this is profound uh, because it it would say that Joseph wouldn't touch her, that he, that he wouldn't touch her until after Jesus was born. Now this, Think about the discipline of a promise. You, you, you get married, and you are forbidden to touch her because of what, it, what is in her womb is so great. You are under divine restrictions from even from even knowing your wife because what is within her is so powerful. We have to complement the faithfulness of Joseph here to go with the plan of God, even when he doesn't understand and to have a sensitivity. Matthew is also showing a new wave of God's presence because there had been silence for 400 years, and now Joseph is having dreams. There's a new move. There's a fresh move happening that that they hadn't seen in a very long time. They're having dreams, and says, "Now she's going to bring forth the son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, which means Jehovah is our savior. God is our savior." God is our salvation, and his name is tied to salvation, for he will save his people from their sins. His name is tied to salvation. His name is important. His name is central to salvation. And then Matthew says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In verse twenty-three, so so Jesus was the God-Man. It was God with us. It was He was fully God and fully man. He was the Creator that humbled Himself as a as a creature. He, he was He was the the priest that humbled Himself and became a lamb. Uh, he 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 was He was the offerer and the offering. The God-Man, fully God and fully man, Jehovah in the flesh. And you're going to see this as we walk through the scriptures that he reveals and gives hints to his disciples that he is the Kurios, the Jehovah in the flesh, the the one God that has come and walked among them, that this is God with us now. After 400 years of silence, now God is with us. Now, now th- these were not. This was not the perfect environment for God to come in, but these are the detours to fulfillment. God will fulfill things in your life in, in in chaotic moments when you don't want Him to, when you don't expect Him to, when you feel like all is lost. He is still working a plan of fulfillment in the most unexpected times, Jesus comes to earth, watch this, while they're under Roman captivity. What, I, I would at least think that they should be liberated before God just started, uh, decided to fulfill his word. But he comes while they're in captivity to fulfill his word. Profound to me. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. These are the detours to fulfillment. He's working. Look what God does. He works through a prostitute, uh, someone that dressed as a prostitute, a prostitute, uh, someone that came down from a lineage of incest, an adulteress. Watch this. Joseph, a carpenter wow. The things that God uses to bring himself glory. The the situation that you're in right now is just an opportunity to bring God glory. Because no one could take the credit for what God did. And what's happening in your life right now with, with the losses, you may have lost your job, you may have lost your business. You may have lost a close friend, not 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 a friend that died but a friend that is now gone because of betrayal and that is sometimes more painful than death what do you do when you're grieving over someone that's still alive but you're no longer connected and you put so much investment into this relationship and into this friendship and it's now gone and 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 and, and when someone is gone sometimes it me it feels like fulfillment is gone but understand that that I know you thought the path would look differently, but this is just a detour to fulfillment. God's going to fulfill his word in your life. It's just a detour. And it's messy. And there are signs everywhere that say, be careful. But I'm telling you, you're going to get where God wants you to get. It may take longer, but it's going to happen. And what Matthew is doing to the Jews is reminding them that they aren't as, as perfect or as elitist as they proclaim themselves to be, that they should not look down on the Gentiles because, because they came out of Gentiles. As a matter of fact, Abraham was a Gentile. He came from Mesopotamia. He came, he, he's using people, he's reminding them of their fragile beginnings and how God was able to work a plan through their fragile beginnings. And that Jesus has come as a savior to to the world, not just a savior to one people group. That he has come to save all nations. That this new Moses isn't just going to Egypt to bring out a small group of people, but he's coming to bring out the millions and the billions and the trillions unto his name. What's the application? Hold on to God in the struggles of life and hold on understanding that even when you feel captive, even when you feel broken, even when you feel like nothing is happening, God is orchestrating a detour to still fulfill his word. It's not what you thought fulfillment would look like, but I'm telling you, God is working in your life. I want to pray a prayer over you and I'm looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow. Lord Jesus, I I pray over everyone that's listening. I pray that the word of God would be engrafted in them. God, I'm praying in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would guide them on this detour. Lord, they, they thought that they would be further on as that they are right now. They thought they would be further on in ministry, further on in their occupation, further on in life. But God, let them know that you have taken them on a detour and you're going to be with them. And you're still going to fulfill your word, no matter how ugly it looks, no matter what, 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 what things that they've gone through on the way. God, you have a plan for their life and you're going to fulfill it as long as they trust in you and hold on to you with all their heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. I look forward to talking with you about Matthew chapter two tomorrow. Share this with someone. I pray it's a blessing. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, For more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson, or you could come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.